Hey y'all, this is Caitlin here, your host. I have Adam, my husband, here with me tonight. Um, We are going to be talking about how we met and how um, marriage is like. So, Adam, tell us one fun fact about yourself. One fun fact about myself. Well, that wasn't supposed to be the topic. The topic was supposed to be marriage. Um, fun fact. Well, you have to give, like, one fun fact about yourself. Like, one fun fact about me is I'm an animal lover. And so... Okay. Um, I guess a fun fact um, about me would be that I uh, I love the outdoors. That I, you know, from early days of camping and backpacking and anything else, caving and rock climbing and all that stuff. I still really like all that, even though I don't necessarily do all of it anymore, just because, but I still love to be out in the outdoors. So, out of, like, any of your friends that, you know, you may be really close to, what is, like, one thing that they may not know about you? Hmm. Like, one thing that you would be, like open to telling them, but they don't know about. Um. Huh. Interesting question. Um. They probably don't know, you know, that I, you know, at one time ran a, a, um, a wilderness guide service. So that would be kind of something that would be interesting to them. They were like, oh, I never knew that about you. No, you did that. Is that the one, like, where you went out with some, like, a couple guys and you basically, like, led a group of people? Yeah, I took groups rock climbing and I took groups caving and um, whitewater rafting and and backpacking and um, all the kind of wilderness stuff. So I would guide uh, paid trips. That one of my first caving trips was with um, the youth group for the church that we're with now, and um, but that was long before we ever came. I ever came to church here. I took the youth group, and it was supposed to be thirty people, and there was sixty there. So we had to divide the group in half and take half in and spend a couple hours in the cave and come out. And that meanwhile, the other half were entertained by the chaperones. And then uh, we swapped and took another group in for another couple hours. And so um, that was uh, that was uh, interesting. But, uh, but yeah, that'd be something. So, you know, like I mentioned that this cast will be about basically how we met and like, you know, about marriage. And so... You know what we met about eight years ago? Yeah. Uh, we met face-to-face about eight years ago. I knew of you before that uh, through your grandmother. Uh, I didn't live around here. and I was pen pals with um, your grandmother, and uh, she obviously talked about you um, and, your, uh, and your siblings and your nephew and uh, so I, I knew about you then, and I knew, um, uh, I can remember her telling me about the uh, scumbags who uh, you would date, um, <laughs> and how much, um, and I remember wanting to um, slap them around. Um, now mind you guys, I had a really bad history of dating bad type of guys. Yeah, guys that were not exactly your top tier. Um you know, I, mean, I may not be the top, but uh, I'm, I'm above halfway, I think. Um, and so, um, you know, so I knew about you. And then uh, yeah, about eight years ago, I met you face to face. And, and uh, yeah, so uh, and then went on with life. And then, gosh, I guess four years ago, yeah. uh, coming up in November, um I don't know when y'all came into the shop. Yeah, it'll be about four years, yeah. I'd look and see when we did the work on your car, your mom's car. 
That will tell me exactly when you, you yeah, and your mom came Yeah, it would have been four years and everything. And I remember, like, my mom, like, when you went to go get her, my meemaw's keys for her car, I remember my mom going, give, give him your number. Just slip it to him. I'm like, no, not, like, in front of his coworkers. <laughs> like, what kind of crazy person does that? Like... And then, like, me, like, a couple, like, what, I think a day or two later, having, like, my mom tell my meemaw, like, be like, hey, give him, like, my email address and my cell phone number. Yeah, y'all, this is, this is how, you know, my wife, um, you know, because I, I, there's a difference in age between us, um, let's say more than a couple of years. Um, and so I was, um, not going to reach out to this this young woman and um and so um but i remember making making note of the fact that her hair looked different than it did when we met and when she came in that day and she said yeah i had done she had done something about it i don't even remember what i did to my hair yeah but i remember taking making note of it that day when you came in with your mom to get the car keys oh i think i had whacked it off look it may have been shorter or something i don't know because uh, I think at that time I was uh, volunteering at a farm sanctuary, and so yeah, yeah, I think it probably would be different than eight years ago. So it was shorter than it was eight years ago. It was still longer than it is now. Yeah. But um, anyway, so um, uh, a few days later, I'm not sure exactly when. Probably somewhere I still have that email. Um, because I still have that email address. I probably have it in my archives. Um, um, your your mima sends me this email, and uh, was like. Hey, this is really weird for me to write this, this email. And it was just kind of funny because it's like, she's, you know, we've written each other for a long time um, before I ever moved around here. So, Especially uh, like y'all wrote to each other like via snail mail and then like yeah, so, through email. Yeah, so it was, that was, it was, it was funny. That was weird. I was like, okay, well, here, here it is. I have this, you know, girl's number and she wanted me to have it and it wasn't like, you know, her meemaw fixing me up with with her. She was just, she was doing it under uh, begrudgingly uh, pressured by her daughter because her daughter was pressured by her daughter. So <laughs> it was a, um, a three generation plot to, um, to get me. So, um, that's how we, um, moved from having met eight years ago and then four years ago having, um, um, come together uh, start, started the process of seeing each other so um, and it was kind of a whirlwind of a romance that went pretty quickly well what I think is funny is how like your mom was my cafeteria lunch lady in elementary school and then to come to find out one day when it was grandparents day my meemaw came to eat lunch with me and then your mom goes hey I didn't know she was your granddaughter <laughs> yeah and then so it just kind of, like, went from there, like, you know, I I kind of, like, wonder if in some cases, like, your mom and then planted, you know, like, were plotting for us to get together because, like, my mom was always like, oh, I just make a perfect couple. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she, she always certainly hinted at that, but always thought that in no way there's too much difference in our ages. Yeah. Um, but it was, um, you know, um... Yeah, that was that was definitely uh, crazy. That all those connections there. Um, yeah. So. So, like, how long were we like together? I, I guess we started seeing each other around Christmas. Saw each other in November, I believe it yeah. was. That's when we went. We went hiking. It was our first date that we and called. We that to- we called it hanging out. Yeah, and it was at Roosevelt State Park in yeah. Pine Mountain, Warm Springs area. Right. You know, in, in, in less than a year we were married. So, um, like I said, it was a whirlwind activity um, because we started in November of uh, 2017 and were married in July of 2018. Um, you know, there were, there were reasons why it, it happened as quickly as it did. Um, you know, and and uh but I mean it you know it's what it is it's where we uh, uh well I know like it was important to you for us to get married before your brother went back overseas because we didn't know 
when him and the family were right. back. Right, and that, that to me was the impetus that, that spurred it to move as quickly as it did. It wouldn't necessarily have stopped me from proposing when I did or, or around that same time, but it you know, would have been like we could stretch the, the wedding out and have it a year from now and plan it and all these kind of things. But that really wasn't an option because my brother was leaving, so... And I know it was important for you to have him there. And, like, since you were trying so hard to make the wedding be more of, like, what I wanted. And I was trying to have some stuff that you wanted in there that I was like, okay, well, if this is, like, the one big thing that you want like and you could care less about anything else in the wedding then why not yeah so that was the um the excitement of a whirlwind from it wasn't like we you know we met each other for the very first time in november and then it was married less than a year later i mean we had known each other and known about each other for a lot longer so um you know and uh we had definitely got you know got to know each other quite a bit over that short period of time, so um, it wasn't like we were necessarily going in blind. But as with any you know any marriage, you go into it and you know a certain amount thing about a person, but you never lived with that person except for those people who lived together before they get married, which is a horrible idea. Um, but you know we went into that, and so we you know discover things that are you know great about each other and things that are maybe irritating about each other and. But, I mean, that's just, that's reality and relationships. What are the things that you liked about each other while you were dating? And then, when you get married, then, after so long, it starts becoming irritating. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, it's cute that, like, here she left, like, the cabinet door open, you know, because <laughs> she's forgetful. And then, like, so many weeks or months into it, it's like, why can't he or she, like, close the cabinet door? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, or, or like the clothes being like all over the floor, like just taking dirty clothes off and just dumping it on the floor, as opposed to like walking that two feet to the clothes hamper and just putting your dirty clothes in the clothes hamper, which yeah. we're both guilty of doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, a, a laundry is a um, a bit of a um, a sore subject at times in. <laughs> In this relationship, but hey, you know, every relationship has them. It just it's just things you just work through, and uh, sometimes they can be very frustrating. But you know, that's that's the challenge of of two people being together, regardless. So, I mean, I, even even before I was married, back when I just was like living on my own as a bachelor and and had roommates, those were a challenge. Oh my gosh, you know, and these were people you weren't even remote, romantically involved in involved with these were just people they were guys that were sharing the the bills and they were irritating to no end so that's going to be true no matter what people think well, it's different when you get married no it's not um it's just now you have somebody you know now when you make up it's different <laughs> <laughs> um you're not just going to ah right, cool we're cool bro you know and you go out and you know hang out and go play golf you know you a little bit going on now but i, I think it's just a matter of um i mean i think in any relationship that doesn't have those those challenges is probably be pretty shallow and won't last. And I just think that, like, you know, so many people have, like, this ex- expectancy of, like, when they get married that it's going to always be perfect and rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies. And realistically, it's not always that case scenario. And they just desperately want to find someone to marry so that way they can be like, oh, I'm married. And they're not thinking of the realities of what being what married implies. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, one thing you think, oh, great, well, it'll be easier. We'll pull our resources. Well, then you... But you also got to share the struggles with each other. And and that can be a, a bigger challenge than, you know, the other trade-off. And so it's... it's but, I mean, I think that's when, when you get married to somebody, you... If you get married for the right reasons, or in that sense, is like when I when we, when we took our wedding vows, and you know, for better or for worse, type thing, that's something that I take seriously. I don't, I don't, I don't see it as simply words. I said this is what I've said I'll do, and regardless of how difficult times could be, it doesn't matter. I'll figure out a way to get through that because this is what I'm committed to doing. And um, unfortunately, I think that 
too many people in society today are not that are not committed to that. They they um you know ready to throw in the towel when it gets tough. Well, plus too, like I the, this is just kind of my thought of like people who get married and then so many years into it they throw in the towel and everything and I understand like when you have kids and everything that when your kids get grown and everything and they move out and so you end up having an empty nest you discover that you and your spouse have changed a lot drastically during that time so then you realistically the the best option would be to get to re-know each other and everything but I think that people tend to get caught up in like their kids and they lose sight of each other and the reason they got married and sometimes I kind of wonder if like sometimes people just get married they think that they're in love and then they get married and then so many years down the road, they realize I never really actually loved this person to begin with. And then they just say, oh, well, I just fell out of love. And I'm just like, you didn't fall out of love. You were infatuated with the idea of being in love. Yeah. I guess for lack of better wording. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I remember... Um somebody always telling me that it's like you, you you can't fall in love love is not a whole um and uh and so you you don't fall in love with somebody that you you come to love someone and it's a decision and it's a it's a, a you know the whole and there used to be a, a song called about years ago about love is a verb it is it's not it doesn't describe a state it describes the your actions and that love is, is, continu- is a continual job that you have to continue to do, and it's a conscious choice. Now, there's there's all kinds of infatuations and that kind of thing that you can fall into, but you also will fall out of. You know that the the grounding for them are not the same. I mean, we we go back to you know what is what is love? Well, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. You know, First Corinthians chapter thirteen gives us a great definition of what love is. And, and that could apply to anyone. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that you're in love with. Like, I mean, that's, correct. I guess, like... That's true. That may, it, can, it can be the love you have for, you know, your brother or your lo- love you have for your parents. Can, it's still, those things are all the same thing. That, those defi- that definition is true. But I definitely think that it's important, especially with the person that you love and that you're going to get married to. And so to consistently keep that in mind that you have to be patient you have to be kind even though it is a struggle like there's just some days like where you wake up and you just look at the person that you married and that you love and you're just like why did I marry this person like I don't want to look at them kind of scenario but like you know in the end like at the end of the day like you just you love them it's kind of like having I guess like how my mom always used to tell me like when with my siblings and I like she would tell me like she's told me like once all of us got older that there would be days like where she just couldn't stand looking at us and it wasn't like her being ugly and saying that she hated us and that she regretted having us but she was like it was kind of that scenario of like when you're a toddler and like you're having a tantrum and just you're just as a toddler having a really bad day so therefore you're making the parent have a really bad day and then, so it's kind of like that scenario of, like, when you're doing that, like, you're, the parent feels like they just want to kill you because, like, you're driving them up the wall. And no matter what the parent does, like, it's not helping. But when you're laying there in your bed as a toddler and you're sound asleep looking super innocent, then it's kind of the scenario of, like, I just love this child. Yeah. And so, like, at the end of the day, so it's kind of like, I guess, like, that like with marriage oh yeah so. I think I think there's some days where you you may love your spouse you may not like them very much that day because of what's going on but you still love them yeah and, and you like I don't like them very right now but you know what I'll get over this because I love them you know and it's just just reality I mean it's just 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 reality of human emotions and human frustrations and love is what 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 gives you that that 
strength and desire to get through whatever struggle you're facing. So, like, when it comes to marriage, and let's say you are a Christian, um, and the person you're possibly dating may not be a Christian, how important it is, is it to you that that person is equally yoked, such as the Bible mentions? I mean, I, I think that that's, that's critical, because it, it as a Christian... Your central focus has to be Christ. I mean, it just is. And if you're, it's not, then you're, you're not a very healthy Christian and you probably won't. Your faith will suffer and, and stumble. Um, but if, if in a situation with us, you know, I love my wife, I love Christ first. So someone who doesn't understand that will be very offended by that and go, you don't love me first? I'm like, no, and I shouldn't. How dare and, you not you know, love me first? Right. And so <laughs> if, if you know, the, the, the idea in, in Christianity is that, you know, I love the Lord and my wife loves the Lord. And that as we grow closer to our Lord, we will be closer to each other. The more intimate we become with God, we become more intimate with each other. Because that's where it's kind of like a pyramid where we're coming from two different places, but we're headed to the same destination. And... As we get closer to that destination, the closer we'll be to each other. So, um, but if the other person doesn't have that as our goal, and they're just out there, oh, I just love you, um, it's going to be pretty weak. Um, because all foundation that is not in God um, is is simply not going to survive. Um, because it's, as... As the world is, is is apt to say, God is love, but they really mean that is that love is God, and they want to define love any way they want to, and say it's God because He is love. He is love. He defines what love is, and so, um, uh, you know that's how we got to look at things. But I mean, it, yeah, if you're not, if you don't have the same goal in mind, then that couple can't survive. Yeah. Now, can can somebody marry a non Christian in? And that person come to Christ and the marriage be saved? Absolutely. Um, uh, is it uh, is it going to be an easy process? No, it's not going to be an easy process, and it's and it's and so it's going to make a a more challenging marriage. Um, and that's the reason that that God urges us not to through the scriptures to not be unequally yoked because of the fact that they could pull you away as well. I mean, you may be trying to pull them over to into faith with God, but they may also be pulling you away from um, your commitment to God, and you end up just falling away and becoming lukewarm and all this, all this jazz, and that's simply not not beneficial to anybody involved. And the marriage in the end probably won't won't last. They'll pull you away, and then they won't they won't love you because anymore because you're not the person that they married. Why? Well, you took them away from what what you didn't realize was the foundation of who they were. You know, if I, if I suddenly didn't, but suddenly denied God and walked away from my faith, um, my wife ultimately would not want to be married to me because the things she sees in me that she admires, you know, and, and loves, um, would cease to exist because those things are rooted in Christ. So, in the Bible, what, like, if you were to do that or if I was to do that, like, is there... Something in the Bible that would, you know, justify like, you know, like the set of rules that God gives for a reason, for reasons that would be legitimate according to God to get divorced. Would something like that be something that's legitimate? Because I know it's something like with God, you know, if someone, if your spouse cheats on you or, you know, they're abusive to you, then that's like clearly justifiable to God for you to get a, a divorce but if someone ends up in the marriage somewhere along the way ends up denying God is there like something in the Bible that like where God speaks and says hey that's like a legitimate reason to get divorced or is that something that's not well it, we have the direct teaching of Christ that except for marital infidelity nothing else is acceptable for divorce now, Paul talks about it, but it's interesting that he talks about that you can leave your wife. 
um, or your husband in that sense, but he actually, I don't think he uses the phrase divorce. So, in other words... <coughs> so, like, it'd be like separation. It'd be like separation. He, he, he's basically saying, you know, if you leave your wife because they're, not, they're an unbeliever, then that's okay. But just realize that you can never be married again because you're still married to that person. And that's true. And, it, and this, this is a touchy subject. People won't like this. And, and I'm sorry. Um, but they don't like it because the Bible teaches that, you know, um, once you're married to a person, you're always married to that person. So, like, even when you get divorced, it's still the same concept. Yeah, it's still the same concept. You're not supposed to be remarrying. Um, and, but now, there's grace and God forgives. And so people who've been remarried don't, don't and hear this don't be offended I'm not saying that God doesn't show grace and forgive I'm just saying that God's plan is not for remarriage because as Paul says in 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 his letters um, when you get married and consummate that marriage then you become one and and once you become one there's no un, unwanting and then becoming one with somebody else and that's that's also the reason why um, having casual sex with people, you realize the very first person you had sex with, it, it, biblically, you're married to. And you're always married to them. And every person you come to after that, you're committing adultery. That's the very basic and, and direct understanding of what Scripture says. That the very first person you had sex with, I don't care if you were 12 or 13 or 14 or 15, when you had sex, that's the person you're married to. And everybody after that is adultery. Now, um, you know, that's not something that's, that's taught a whole lot today because it would be so unpopular. And, Especially since kids nowadays are having sex at like 13, 14, 15 right. years old. And the reason they are is because there's this complete um, divorcing to use that term, of of what what sex is supposed to be about, you know, um, not that it's not supposed to, be, it's not just for consummation. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it was meant to be an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. That's just what it was supposed to be, and and that doesn't exist anymore. Now it's just kind of like it's all about just having a good time and enjoying yourself, and. It is about enjoying yourself with your spouse, you know, with your husband or your wife. And so, um, but that doesn't exist anymore because our society is completely corrupt, quite frankly. Um, and, uh, I mean, moral, mor- morally, that it's so funny. So many people in society want to go, hey, we were, we're morally evolving into a, a, a higher society. No, no, we are evol- devolving into a morally, a more, more morally corrupt society every day. And we will. It's probably going to do that way until the whole society collapses and, and it'll start over again. It's pretty much what happens in history. We see that over and over again. Um, the progressive people nowadays want to go, oh, we, we're progressive because of the LBGTQ plus whatever, minus mm-hmm. whatever they are, exclamation points, dollar signs. Um, whatever the symbols are that come after that is... Is that, oh, see, we, we've arrived here. Um, you're not unique. Everything you think is unique now was in Greek culture and in Roman culture. And the societies failed. And so, um, don't, uh, don't think you're all that because of what's going on. You're nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun, as the Bible tells us. Nothing new at all. And so, um, it's just the, the, the digression of society as it moves away from God, it becomes more morally bankrupt because there's no moral structure to, to life. And that's, you know, what's interesting is that we, we use that when we're referring to, um, it's called the, um, the moral um, proof for the existence of God is that morality can't exist without God. And there's lots of arguments and discussions about how that's not true, blah, 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 blah. But in the end, you know, if there's not a foundation for morality, then morality can be whatever you want it to be. And true. and it, 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 it ceases to have any kind of foundation, which means it can, 
it can go down even worse than it is now. And um, uh, believe me, it can get worse, and it probably will. And uh, because there's no, there's no solid immovable object which it's tied to. And that's that's what's unique in in religion, not just Christianity. Um, there's there's that element exists also in some of the other um, uh, religious um, faiths. Um, Judaism and Islam, they have a, a, a more solid moral code. Um, but when you start divorcing yourself from an absolute, then it'll just continue to digress until there's nothing left but, but muck and filth and, um, and people claiming it to be all good. So... Um, but come back to, to marriage, and so um, the same way with having a very solid marriage and having a marriage that will will survive the struggles that every marriage will face is to have a foundation with an immovable object, which is God through Christ. And so um, that's why it's so important to be equally yoked. Um, so. so, you know, like the topic of being equally yoked like both of us are equally yoked as far as it goes on the same belief system as on you know correct like believing in christ right how hard is it to you from your perspective being because we are unequally yoked on this perspective like how hard is it for you to be married to someone like me who's a vegan versus you being an omnivore. I don't... I, I, from the perspective... Because it, it's, you know, it's not a, a mutually exclusive belief system. That was, you can't not... You can, you can be a, a good Christian and be a vegan. Like you can. Now, there's definitely... Vegans would say you, you can't and stuff, but I don't really care. That you, you can be a vegan from the perspective of, of, of what you choose to eat in the way you treat animals, you know, and, and, and you can you can be a vegan and be a Christian, but which is a minority of a minority because that's the category I fall into is a minority of a minority. Yeah, I mean you're 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 definitely in the you know the one percenters, you know, uh, because it, it, you know veganism because it, it elevates, and and this is you know an area where um, you even still. You know, deal with, and and I will continue to allow you the, the time you need to deal with it. But, it. but veganism tends to elevate animals to a level of equality with humanity, and God didn't do that because He gave so, us the right to be able to be over them in the sense of being able caretakers. to care. Yeah, caretakers. But I know, like from my perspective as being a vegan, is that like I don't necessarily believe that you know. Okay, like, he may have given us the right to be able to consume animal products and stuff like that. And especially when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, you know, they had nothing to wear but animal skin. And because they sinned, their bodies therefore needed an omnivore diet as opposed to a vegetarian-type diet. Um, But I don't believe that his intentions were for it to be like factory farming but i understand how we got to factory farming because of look at how many people were on this earth right so it's easier for humanity to do the whole hey let's do the you know factory farming as opposed to back in the day like when your parents were kids and stuff where of course you probably of course you had some factory farming but it wasn't like it is today like but most people had they raised their own livestock and slaughtered them themselves and to me that's more of like where I feel like God was aiming for was for you to basically live off the land on your own self versus you know going to the grocery store and not putting a face with 
what you're eating. Right. I mean, it'll, it'll, I, I think you're, I agree with that. I mean, that certainly, um, you know, what we what we find in biblical times and in early American times is that uh, people may have raised cows. And, but, you know, when you wanted cow for your family, you went and you bought the cow and you took it home and you slaughtered it. And so you, you were, there wasn't this ability to hold meat and to hold things. And so they couldn't, you know, one farm couldn't, you know, kill 10 cows and then keep the meat because there was no way to keep it because there's no refrigeration. And so as we progress technologically and as the population has increased, as you said, um, there's been this desire to figure out how to do it. Um, and and it, so it has created these factory farmers, which is certainly not ideal. Um, it's not ideal from perspective of, of a lot of things, and that means keeping people in the loop about where their food comes from. And, and therefore, because it, it was, you know, it's one of those things like the, the, um, the uh, Native Americans, which is probably not even a fair term to use for them, but the, the original inhabitants of, of North America, um, when they, you know, when they would kill an animal, they pray over it. They pray over it because they recognized that it had given its life for their life, and but it didn't stop them from from eating meat. Yeah, and it's just it was just a, a respect for that, and and that's lost in the factory farming and the processed meat industry and all that kind of stuff. So certainly, I agree that ideally, uh, not not eating factory food would be the way to go. Okay. Um, but go ahead. You go finish. Okay. Um, you know, so, um, and I, I would agree definitely back before the, the fall, we don't find any, any record that they were eating meat. They were, they were more than likely eating, drinking milk and, and eating, 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 eating eggs and honey. Um, so they were doing like they were, they were, vegetarian they were, they were, diet. Yeah, definitely vegetarian diets. It, it, to me, it's a, um, it's an easier thing for me to, to digest. <laughs> Sorry for the pun. Um, uh, <laughs> for me to digest um, than, than veganism. Um, but I understand why vegans don't. Um, but it's kind of one of the situations like, well, what if we, you know, because they, because factory eggplants treat their chickens so horribly, you know. Because, I mean, they're 18 weeks old. Right. Like, when they get sent to the slaughterhouse, if they're used for primarily meat. Right. Because of all the, and they're so big, they're like a full-grown adult because of all the hormones and antibiotics that they give to them. And everything, and the difference between a organic chicken and a nap, like and then like one that's been given like all the antibiotics and stuff, the ones that are given the antibiotics and steroids and the whole nine yards, they're eighteen weeks old, and so you're consuming what's in them, and then versus the ones who are organic, the ones that are organic, the problem with them is that if they become sick. Because of the fact that they're, the company may be a certified organic company, they can't give that chicken any antibiotics because then that can like make them lose their certification. Right. And so then they send the chicken off for slaughter. So you're probably eating a chicken that is sick. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly possible. I mean it's kind of one of those weird things where. Um, you can't believe either side entirely. Um, but I, I think for, for, for me, so again, it, it comes down to the fact that I, you know, I have an easier time with veganism, with vegetarianism than I do with veganism. But primarily, the, the, the biggest struggle for me as in marriage, being married to a vegan versus, you know, uh, as an omnivore, is it's probably just a struggle sometimes with being able to just hear about a great restaurant and go eat. And I was like, okay, oh, this is a great place to eat down there on the beach. Um, there's nothing that your wife can eat. But you know, that's, that's to me, is, is a difficult thing for me. It's not something I can't overcome. But, but it's like that scenario that I could always just get a salad and just have them take all the things that I can't have and everything. Right, which but made you just end up with lettuce. Be, <laughs> yeah, you're just going to like... Your junk food. So, uh, those, <laughs> those listening to the podcast um, have to remember that my wife went to my birthday dinner at a Texas roadhouse, and what she had was a tiny bowl of broccoli and a huge soup bowl full of applesauce. Oh, and, and that the was her bread, meal. And the bread with no butter on it. <laughs> that yeah. was my meal. That was her meal. And so, 
his side of the family, my side of the family, like the family members on my side of the family that actually attended his birthday will not let that go. No, we won't because it's like, this is what, you know, and it's funny because from perspective of some of my family, that that is the only problem they really have with veganism is like, y'all can't just, you know, go over to somebody's house because what, they don't have something that you can eat. You know, maybe it's just, and it's somebody, it's not somebody, our friends know this, and their friends will, will make a, a, a allowances or whatever, but we don't, not that we have a whole lot of couple friends, but they do. And so, but what if it's somebody new who doesn't know us and just invites us over? Well, now, how do you handle this without being, like, like rude? rude? So, <laughs> that, that and, and for me, it's kind of like, again, it's just a matter of, we go off to the mountains, and the only place to eat is this neat little country diner where everything is fried and everything is cooked together, and it's like there's nothing she can eat, and and that's a real bummer, you know, for me. And, and so that that's that's the really the, the largest struggle for me in veganism. It, it, it's that. a struggle for me because you know I was raised in a family that hunted, went fishing, the whole nine yards, and. You know, I was raised off of the fact of, like, whatever someone puts in front of you, you're to eat it. So, it's really hard. Like, if I go to someone's house to eat dinner, or, like, for example, when we went out to eat with Laura and them, and then we went to Taco Mac, and she was, like, none of us were thinking about it, even though she knew I was a vegan None of us thought about it, and then we get to the restaurant, and she's like, oh, wait, you're a vegan. Like, is there anything you can actually eat here? And I'm like, I haven't eaten here since, like, before I went this lifestyle. Like, and so, but thankfully they had, you know, the Impossible Burger Patty that I could basically turn any of the burgers into the, like, a burger, like, you know, use the Impossible Burger Patty in it. And everything, and I did get a salad to go with it in substitution of the fries. So yeah, so I mean, it's just one of those things, and and so I think for me, the the hardest part is that, and and um, um, uh, so you know, it's it's one of those things that um, you know, it's just one of those things like in any marriage, which just ours happens to be this is something that we just have to to you know to get through and 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 learn how to work with and. Um, and for the most part, we do. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm. As soon as we go someplace, I'm immediately looking for what she can have, and you know, I, I'm the one that noticed that Impossible Burger was on the menu, and um, because I didn't want her just to get a salad that ended up with just just a few things on it, because half the stuff has to be taken off, because it's stuff that she can't eat, and and uh, so that's a struggle. I mean, we, we we both love animals, so that's that part of it's not a hard thing to do. I mean, I. I can love animals and eat them without without any guilt. Um, and um, and I definitely don't have a problem, like, sitting there, like, with him when he's eating it. And, like, I may not buy the actual animal products, but if it's something that him and his mom buy, and then they bring it, and then I'm cooking dinner and everything, and I'm cooking a vegan meal, then I could easily separate the food like divide it in half and then just in their portion add the meat to that portion and then I still have my portion of what would have been you know truly a vegan meal um and I think like some places you know like you have to go to like and seek like ask for like if they have a secret vegan menu like for example the first birthday that we celebrated of mine together when we were married, we went to meet and greet in Noonan, and they actually had the secret vegan menu. Yeah. I mean, they, and they, to a certain degree, they didn't have it on the menu. They had the Impossible Burger was back there, but they were, they were scrambling, trying to figure out uh, rolls and everything else, and, um, and they worked very hard for them. That, that place was, um, they worked really hard to make sure there was something that she could have. Because plus um, two, I'm, I am gluten- I have to do gluten-free as well because of autoimmune system problems that I had before I went vegan. Yeah, so, I mean, she has a, um, a lot of things to deal with. I mean, let's face it, I mean, if if she was, um, and of course there's lots of vegans who could hear this and go, she's not a real vegan. And, and, and you know, they, they have the right to their opinion there just because they're so closed-minded. But the, the thing is that if she was um, the uh, hyper... 
um, hyper militant vegans that you read about um, in the news, um, she never would have married me because she wouldn't have been associated with an omnivore. So, um, thankfully, uh, her attitude towards it and so, so forth, like us going to a restaurant, she doesn't, you know, glare at me as I eat my steak. Um, the only know. thing I cannot stand is like if we go out with family and then someone orders a steak and they get it practically where it's still mooing, like because it's oozing blood, <laughs> they just have it thrown on the grill long enough for it to be like where the FDA says, okay, it's been, you know, it's, it's safe, like, you know, like where it's been put on there for 10 seconds on each side and then it's still practically mooing. That, I think that's about the only time it really bothers me when someone's, like, eating meat in front of me, like, is, like, where it's still oozing. Well, and with the exception of, um, of some friends of ours whose husband, um, uh, did not fully cook the hamburger, um, that's only happened the one time. We only have one, um, one individual in our family who eats his steaks like that, and it was the same meal where she had her applesauce in the soup bowl. So, <laughs> and he uh, was sitting right across from me. Yeah, that was... And I'm just like... And I made a joke of, like, it wasn't even me being, like, a vegan. I was just making an everyday, everyday person kind of joke of, like, well, crap, why don't you just go out into a pasture, like, right down the road, like, where one of the commissioners has, like, a pasture full of cows <laughs> and just kill one of his cows and eat it that way, like... And he instantly took it as, as I was being a radical vegan, and it was completely opposite. Yeah. I was just making a joke. So, but you know, it's um, so obviously it is. It is. Um, it has its challenges uh, for a married couple to have come from those two different perspectives of of food, and um, for the most part, we've gotten uh, we've learned to deal with it pretty well, and. Um, you know, so it, it uh, you know, it's, the hardest thing is when um, it's baked goods, but, um, um, you know, uh, my mom's gotten pretty good with that, figuring things out for baking some things. Um, but, um, you know, so, uh, so yeah, so as, as, a, as a general rule, I mean, we've been able to, to figure out how to get past it and, and do things that it's, um, and while she can always say that she can just get a salad and pick the take the things off of it that don't she can't eat, it's still it's kind of a bummer. It's like you don't you, you go out and you want to enjoy a meal together, and all she can eat is applesauce and steamed pot broccoli. So it's it's one of the things you like you don't you don't choose to go there again because you're like I don't want her to only eat, be able to eat that. So so like between the two of us, like you know we both have our you know, individual favorite holidays, which is mine is Halloween, yours is Christmas mm-hmm. and everything. Like and I wanna deck the house out completely out in Halloween stuff and just go full crazy. Like and then for you, as soon as like Halloween can't even come and go before you're already playing Christmas music and I'm still playing Halloween music. <laughs> like how annoying is it to you that, like, I'm so, like, you know, I'm that person that will deck the house out with Halloween stuff and, like, have Halloween music playing, watching Halloween movies and, um, you know, going to haunted houses and stuff like that. How annoying is that to you, seeing as that you never really grew up with Halloween? Well, I mean, it's funny. I mean, I grew up with Halloween. I, I, I went trick-or-treating every year as a kid. Um, it wasn't until, you know... I became an adult that I just didn't, I kind of lost interest in Halloween. And it's not that I'm opposed to Halloween. I don't really care. It's just one of the things I can take or leave. I just don't care. Um, and, you know, I don't mind. Um, you know, obviously last year I took, I took my wife to, uh, to a haunted house. And Which I had, was amazing. Yeah, and we had a good time with that and I enjoyed it. And I, we do our, the pumpkin festivals around here that have Halloween themes, and I'm good with that. Like Stone Mountain and now Callaway Gardens. Yeah, so we just don't, um, I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I've never been one, and we don't. We, we, um, she's pretty, she pretty much keeps her decorations to the inside, and um, I, I, I've never been one. Even though I want to decorate the front yard, too. <laughs> I've never been one that, that grew up with us putting, you know, ghosts hanging from the trees in the front of the yard, and 
it was never that way. We might have a jack lantern on the front porch, but that was about the, the extent of our house. Or sometimes there was one of those, you know, cardboard things you hang on the door. <laughs> you know, a, a cat, a black cat or something you hung on the door. But that was the extent of our Halloween things. I mean, Christmas was always more decorated. We didn't have much of that when I was a kid either. I don't, we never put lights out. But so, see, like, you decked the house out for Christmas. I do, but oftentimes it's, um, I don't get finished until about three days before Christmas. <laughs> so, I don't so get to enjoy it very long. So, then until, like, after New Year's. So, yeah, like, he waits until, like... Epiphany. Yeah, the epiphany. Like, <laughs> so he goes according to, like, the Christian Advent calendar, which starts on Christmas Day and then goes through, what, January 6th? Yep. So, he, he'll even have, like, Christmas music playing to the epiphany in the whole nine yards and so here I am I'm the person that like yeah okay I, I I like Christmas but like Christmas isn't like my jam as far as it goes on like let's like rock out to Christmas music let's rock out to watching Christmas music and everything versus him who is then by the epiphan- by the time the epiphany happens and I'm over it like, <laughs> and I know, like, with him, by the time Halloween ends, he's probably like, oh, thank God. And so. Yeah, I mean, pretty much when it passes, I'm glad for it to be gone and I'm ready to think about Thanksgiving and food. And, um, how long, how long have we been boring y'all people here on this podcast? Um, it's a pretty long podcast, so you guys may be bored and already, already checked out, but anyway, um, We'll have to get to come back and, and uh, do like a second round. A second round, but uh, anyway, so yeah, we definitely have a have a differences in our favorite holidays. But thankfully, um, like I said, I'm not anti-Halloween, and Caitlin's not anti-Christmas. It's just that she prefers Halloween and, that, and the things of Halloween and the decorations of Halloween, and I prefer Christmas and stockings and you know. Well, it's just that lights. Halloween is like that one day of the year that you can actually just be someone different and no one even thinks remotely different about it. Like, you could totally dress up like emo or like dress up in cosplay and people aren't thinking like when it's not Dragon Con or Comic Con. Like, outside of those, they don't think you're weird. Yeah, that's true. I get that, so... Anyway. Well, I guess we are going to sign out for tonight, and then we will do a round two on the topic of marriage at another point. But I want to thank everyone for joining in with us tonight, and I hope you all have a great night. God bless.